All right, well, good morning, get well. Man, his mercies are new every morning. Isn't that right, church? And it is. I'm so grateful that we have a God. Thank you, worship team, for leading us and reminding us and challenging us of what that is, is that, man, we serve a God who has a brand new start every single day, and his love, his mercy never takes a nap, he never takes a break, and so we're very, very grateful today uh, for that. We've been, you know, in a new series uh, last week. Uh, Hunter opened up this uh, series called The Good Life for us. And so, you know, the good life, when we think of it, that can mean a lot of different things for each and every one of us in here today, couldn't it? I mean, when you think of it, I mean, we could define that in our own way, especially in our culture. You know, the good life is really something we all want, if we're being honest. And it's right before us every day for the taking, the pursuit of many things in our life. I mean, am I right when we say the best education, maybe a lucrative career, amazing vacations. Who loves a good vacation in here today, right? I mean, we all love to get away, to be off, to go places that we've never been before. Uh, But it also could just be having a healthy retirement or investments, things that we plan for the future. We know that's biblical and it's right that we make plans and it's wise uh, to make plans for the future and for now. Um, But it also could be anything from just the newest car to maybe a bigger home. Uh, for me, you know, a lot of mornings, it's just a tasty cup of coffee. Anybody there with me? You think, well, yeah, that's right, you know. Uh, I mean, you got to have a good cup of coffee because, you know, a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to preach. I told on myself, didn't I? I told you a little bit about my keys, and some of y'all have been playing jokes on me. And so when I think of my keys and I lose them very often, you, you better bet that I will have a cup of coffee while I'm looking for my keys. I might lose them, but I will not lose my coffee. My coffee will be with me, and I will be on the hunt with that. Those are just some of the easy things from the biggest things in life that we enjoy to the really little things of our life that really make our day, you know, when we think about it. But, you know, we define the good life, and what does that mean? And so as we open up and we look in the Beatitudes of what it means to live our best life, what it means to have the good life, It's not defined on our own success, our own happiness, our own pursuits, but it's really based on that we are more and more molded and crafted into the identity of Jesus. You know, as mentioned in the book, The Good Life, the pursuit of happiness is even written into the DNA of our culture, isn't it? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But happiness can be short-lived, as we all know. It often leaves us scrambling to find it again. You know, we've got to get that, that new vehicle. We've got to be able to, you know, go for that next step in our career. We've got to be able to have that bigger home, or we've got to be able to, to uh, you know, find whatever it is that is bigger, better, newer, nicer, cleaner. And if we're not careful, we can spend our whole life pursuing those things. Last week, Hunter, as he opened up with the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who understand their need in Jesus, and they approach him with an open and also empty hands. It's about having those open and empty hands. You know, the Greek word translated blessed means what? Happy. And Jesus here isn't talking about a superficial type of happiness, but rather a happiness that is from a deep joy within our soul that we as believers get to experience 
in our life. So today, we're going to look at the second beatitude. So let's do that. Let's begin reading in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. It says this. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on this mountainside and he sat down. And, you know, the disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And when he did this, they, they were like, what, what is he saying here, Jesus, when you're talking about these Beatitudes? I mean, what, what kind of point are you trying to make here? I mean, these sound like some major oxymoron statements, and they, they sound like statements that shouldn't go together, you know, the, those who have humility and those who express, uh, you know, grief and lament and those who hurt not only in their own state, but they can hurt with others. What are you teaching us? You see, these are character traits. They're character traits in our lives as believers that identify us as genuine, authentic followers of Jesus, more than being religious, more than just a church attender, more than even just a faithful volunteer, which we're grateful. But you see, it's more of the evidence of us living a changed life as we read throughout and study these Beatitudes, a life that is marked, not by external change so much, but more so internal. It's an internal change that happens in our life. Jesus is speaking to the very core of who we are as followers of God, is that these things would be ingrained in our life. You see, uh, Winston Churchill said it like this, attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. Wouldn't we agree? I mean, it, it really does start with our attitude, no matter what facet of life that is. Attitude is something we've heard about since we were little kids. You know, maybe um, it, it came from a parent, check your attitude, right? You know, watch your attitude with me. You know, it could be any of those things. It could be, um, of course, a teacher in a classroom setting. It could be a coach. Uh, it could be a boss, a close friend, a mentor, Someone in our life that has taught us the importance of having the right attitude. Man, oh man, how much more so in our relationship with Jesus. It is imperative that we practice and live out what Jesus is teaching here in the Beatitudes. Because the good life is the result of a Christ-like attitude. Derwin Gray, the author of The Good Life, says it like this. It says, trying to find lasting happiness is like chasing your shadow. What starts off as childish fun erodes into adult frustration, failure, disappointment. At some point in our lives, we realize no matter how hard and how long we work, we will never catch lasting happiness. Now, I know that we read that and we're like, man, that's kind of a, that's kind of a downer or depressing to some form, but we know where we can find true happiness. We know where we can find wholeness and satisfaction and to feel complete. Because in our culture, oftentimes, these are the things that we're um, encouraged to chase after. These are the things that we're encouraged to pursue with our life and our money and our time and our abilities. And we're really good, aren't we? We're really good at filling that void. Even if it's just a temporary fix, even if it's just for a day, even if it's just for a week, even if it's as long as a year, you know, we, we can get in that cycle of just finding 
the next fix, the next temporary goal of filling that void that only God can fill in our life, that only is set aside for real, authentic happiness that we find in Jesus alone. And the goal that oftentimes we do is we get on that endless cycle of pursuing these things. When one thing wears off, we easily just move on to the next thing. But lasting happiness, not just temporary happiness, but I think all of us in here today would agree we would love and we want to have that lasting happiness in our life. It comes when we put on the character traits and the attitude of our Lord Jesus, being conformed into his image seeing ourselves in the world the way God does. It is a beautiful yet sometimes painful process. So as we look at part two of our series today, and we really want to just dive into what does this mean, and happy are the sad. What does that mean? Happy are the sad. You know, again, it's not a typo. It's not just, uh, uh, you know, Jesus didn't misspeak here. He wasn't misspoken. I mean, this is exactly what he means. We can find true, authentic happiness in our mourning, even when we are sad. Well, what does it mean? Well, first, we need to define this word that we see often in Scripture, lament. To lament means to express deep regret, grief, or sorrow. That's exactly what the book of Lamentations is all about in the Old Testament. I mean, we see an expression of deep regret and sorrow. The prophet Jeremiah, ah, he's filled with grief after the destruction of Jerusalem in the wake of the Babylonian invasion. I mean, he's broken. He's lamenting. And that's what we get one of our 66 books out of the, the Bible is that Lamentations is devoted to this expression of, of deep grief regret and sorrow over his own state and the state of his people. It's a, it's a deep hurt. It's a deep sorrow. It's not superficial. It's not just surface. It's not just something for show. It's not just a, um, a feeling that he got one time a week, but it was something that he carried with him and he hurt for himself, his state, but also his people's condition. So happy are the sad. What does this mean? Well, Let's really look at three things that we can pull from this second beatitude today. The first would be this, is that pain sends us into our purpose. Pain sends us into our purpose. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. Aren't you so glad this morning? Man, he comforts us in our trials and our troubles so that we, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in these sufferings of Christ, so also, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Ah, God doesn't waste our pain. If you, don't, if, you, if you miss many things today, don't miss this. God doesn't waste our pain. What pain have you been through in your own life, personally, as a family, corporately, as, as a nation? What, what pains, what hurt, what heartache have we faced? God doesn't waste our pain. There is a purpose in it. Oftentimes, we just have to slow down, take a deep breath, and pay attention to what God is doing in us 
and through us during it. But it's easy to get distracted, isn't it? It's easy to, to get the wrong attitude. It's easy to, to focus on something that, and we grasp at straws and we find something that will give us that temporary fix, whatever it may be in our life, to kind of numb the pain, to band-aid over the problem. But you see, God doesn't waste our pain. God is with us in it and through it, and he wants to use us in the middle of it. Maybe through different seasons of pain in your own life, God has birthed a passion or a calling for something you would have never known or imagined until you went through that season of life. Think of all many of the wonderful ministries that we have in our faith. We're birthed out of pain. We're birthed out of someone's own walk in a trial. Could be uh, to help, you know, the 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 orphan. Could be the widow. It could be the homeless. It could be the need for. Um, you know, just things in our life that we take for granted so often, the basic necessities of our life. Ministries folk around clean water, and they use it in order for an opportunity to share Christ with people. But you see, through our pain, many things can be birthed. But pain also allows us to empathize, doesn't it, on a deeper level. It allows us to, to walk with others. And in this, we have opportunities to comfort our brothers and our sisters in the faith, but also those in our life that are unbelievers and, and are not in a relationship with God, we have an opportunity to have empathy and compassion and love, and we can point them in the right direction to where they can find that comfort in the middle of their own storm. You see, there's purpose behind it. And another way you could say, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted is this. Happy are those whose hearts break for what breaks God's heart, for they will be comforted. Happy are those whose hearts break for what breaks God's heart. What breaks your heart today? You know, where, where have you mourned? Where has there been pain in your own personal and in your own family life and as a nation? Where has the pain been? What has kept you up at night? What have you lamented over, walked through? How does God want to use that now for good? Did you hear me on that? How does he want to use it now for his good? Not to just dwell on the past and to think that that is painful and that's been hard and that's been difficult and we all process pain in a different way, don't we? I mean, some like to talk about it. Some don't like to talk about it. Sometimes we like to, you know, channel it in a different way and express it in maybe in, in a healthy way or in an unhealthy way. But now God wants to claim it back. He wants to call it his. He wants to use it for his good. You see, Jesus wept. He knows our pain. Jesus wept over the death of his friend Lazarus, but he also always wept. We, we see not only that, but he wept personally for a friend. And then we also see in Luke 19, Jesus wept over his people of Jerusalem. Jesus, it was a part of his life daily, weekly, that he mourned, that he wept, that he empathized, that he had deep compassion for others. It wasn't just a one-time deal or just a few times that we see, but Jesus made it a very part of his life. You see, it's healthy it's what God wants us to do and how we should live our life. You see, no one looks forward to difficult and painful situations. I don't think any of us would raise our hand today and say, I can't wait for this week. Lord, I, I pray that you'll put me through a painful and a difficult situation. I've never met anyone in ministry that has ever said that. 
and said, God, I, I just can't wait for that to happen. But we know that as we live and as we go about life and the longer that we live, we will face hardship. Jesus warned us of that. He, he, he told us that in this life, you will have pain. You will have trials. You will have hardship. But through it, through the difficult, through the painful situations, but through those seasons in life, God equips us to walk with others who need comfort. God doesn't waste our pain. He can use it to mold and refine us into the image of Jesus. You see, he's not done with us. And when we said, I do to Jesus, when we said, yes, I want to follow Christ, God has been on a mission from that day on to mold us and to refine us and chisel away at us until we look more and more like his son, Jesus. Through the pain, through the mountaintop experiences, through the valleys, he's chiseling away that we would look more like his son here on earth as we live out our faith, as we go about our jobs, as we go into our schools, as we enter the gym and in the coffee shops and in the restaurants, and as we go about life on vacation through this season in the summer, is that as we go, we live out these beatitudes, looking more and more like Jesus daily. Point two today is this. Not only does pain send us into our purpose, it's we, not just me. We, not just me. When we, we look at lamenting and we look at happy or the sad, you see, well, what does that exactly mean? Well, in Isaiah 6, 5, Isaiah says this, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You see what Isaiah the prophet is saying here is not, you know, he's, he's not being judgmental. And oftentimes we can look at this verse and say, well, you know, I am ruined and I live among a people of unclean lips. Well, it's not being a, it's not a judgmental statement. He's not trying to just cast judgment on the people of God. He's, he's lamenting with them. He's hurting with his people. His pain is not just his pain. It's a corporate pain. And he hurts because his people are hurting. Woe to me. You see, just like Jeremiah that we mentioned earlier, Isaiah is filled with sorrow and mourning over the condition of Judah. It's natural for us to focus on what affects us, our families, our close friends, but the Lord has called us to something bigger, hasn't he? He's called us to be part of his story, something that is beyond ourselves. Oh man, we see beyond ourselves, God can and he will instill in us a happiness and a contentment that is lasting. But we have to see beyond ourselves. Yes, we, we do focus on our own personal and our, our family pain and the things that we walk through. But all the Lord Jesus wants us to carry others as well is that they find comfort in what we find comfort in. They find the answer where we know where the answer lies that we live out. See, it's not just about me, but it's about we. And third, lamenting is a holy hurt that moves us to action, that moves us to action. Again, we don't use this word very often, and it's good that we define this and we see biblically what we're talking about today when we say lamenting. You see, lamenting is a holy hurt. You see, in Derwin Gray on page 19, The Good Life, he says it this way, the deeper we immerse ourselves in Jesus 
and his kingdom. Here's the good news. The more we are supernaturally sculpted into his image and the happier we will become. Oh, don't you love that? Isn't that good news? Is it so true? Supernaturally, when we begin to clothe ourselves and put on the image of Christ and we embrace these beatitudes as part of our life, just not a teaching, not just a lesson, not just a Bible study any longer, but it is really ingrained into who we are as followers of God. Oh, we, something supernatural happens in us. And sometimes it's just hard to explain. You know, but the evidence is this, a changed life. The evidence is this, the way we treat others, the way we comfort others, the way we point people back to Christ during that time. You see, in our world today, this nation, our community, our own personal interactions with, you know, when we see with the eyes of Jesus and with his attitude, oh, this community would look so different, wouldn't it? is that we begin to see things the way Jesus sees them. We begin to embrace and we clothe ourselves with the attitude the way Jesus would carry himself. That's what these Beatitudes are all about. And as we look at this second one today, happy are the sad. Jesus modeled for us what it meant to carry other people's burdens. No greater than when he went to the cross for us. No greater than when he laid down his life for you and I. He rose again on that third day. No greater love has he than when he laid down his life, the innocent one. So these beatitudes, they're game changers. It changes the very trajectory of our life when we embrace it through our pain, through our sorrow, through our grief. Because as believers, it's what we're made for, isn't it? It's what we're made for, to be a people who respond to the needs and the injustices around us, all with the hope that people would experience the love, kindness, and grace of God. You see, your job may be what you're paid for, but living out your calling is what you're made for. We all get paid to do something. You have a nine to five, 40, 50, 60 hour work week, whatever it may look like. Maybe you're a full-time student. What is your job? Now, those are things that we get paid for. I want to talk about something deeper. What are you made for? You see, we're made to clothe ourselves in these beatitudes, to embrace the very attitude of Christ. You see, so the today's takeaway is this, is that Jesus is present in our pain. He draws us close to him using our pain to help others, to help others. Ah, the good life is characterized by lament over the state of the world, longing for the way the world will be when Jesus returns, and the happy expectation of being comforted ah, by Christ. Have you found comfort today? Do you need comfort that can only come that's lasting? The happiness that is not jumping from one thing to the next or one purchase to the next, or constantly checking a retirement or investment account to the next? Or is it just based on the temporary, the, the things that can only be short-lived and the newness wears off very quickly? It's filled with the ups and the downs. Oh, we're so glad that our God is constant. He is consistent. And through your pain today, you can get realigned and recentered to the purpose that God has for it. 
Ah, there's purpose behind it. The altar's open today. If you just want to come and pray, spend some time uh, as a couple with someone else, maybe individually, you know, Hunter and I will be down here. It's just a great opportunity to focus in and just, just lay that pain down. Maybe there's, there's something that is a, a heavy, heavy weight, a heavy baggage that you would say you're carrying in here today. Ah, oh, the Lord does not want you to leave with that baggage. He didn't want you to leave. I want you to be able to lay it down today. Just be honest and be transparent and be open. If you have questions about what it means to have an authentic relationship with Jesus, oh, we'd love to talk to you about that too because that's the greatest need for everyone is that do you have that? Need to let go of the pain that has turned into that baggage that's weighing you down? Come. And come as the Lord leads during this time. And we would love to pray with you and pray over you and to see how God will take, maybe in this season, maybe in a past season, be a future season, to take that pain, to take that grief, to take that sorrow and to turn it around and to be able to use it because it has a purpose. It has a purpose. Let's stand today. Let's pray. And you respond as the Lord leads you today. Well, Lord, we are definitely challenged this morning as we look at the second beatitude. Happy are the sad. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It goes against the grain of our culture. It goes against the grain of oftentimes what we're trained to do and to train to respond. Oh, we just thank you that that's where we'll find deep, true happiness is when we are comforted by you and we comfort others in their pain. Those close to us and those not close to us. Would you birth something in us today, Father? Maybe today it's the, the beginning of a ministry, maybe taking the pain and now using it for your kingdom and for your purpose and your plan. Lord, we just ask that you would do like only you can. I pray that not one individual as we close would leave with baggage, would leave with maybe a pain that has been unaddressed in their life. They would just come, they would pray, they would be open and authentic and honest with you today. Thank you that you're working. Thank you that through even the toughest storms of our life, you were there, you're with us, and you empathize with us. So we give you this time. Pray we'll respond as you lead. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.